passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind a Raw. It's John Pollock here alongside. Wei Ting. Hello, Wei. Hey, John. How you doing? I'm doing well. Have you sur- Did you survive the weekend? How are you on this Monday night? I'm good, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, Sunday was, was a day off. I had a chance to catch up on some of the shows, and uh, I'm good. I'm very good. Yourself? I'm doing well. I, I went to the CNE this morning, and then I worked throughout the afternoon, but it was, uh, it was a very good time this morning. I took... Max on his on his first rides. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Wow. We went on the Bumblebees, which he was not a big fan of. And then we went down. Uh, I didn't. My wife took him down one of those giant slide things. Oh, yeah. Uh, he really liked that. And then he went on the merry-go-round. That was kind of uh, he was indifferent to. Did you go on like the really big slide for adults? or uh, They probably don't allow kids on that one. So you probably went um, to like the, the shorter one. No, this was a fairly big one. I mean, he went with my wife, so it's not like he was on by himself. Like this one, the the one I'm talking about is like like multiple stories, like like the highest thing at the at the CNE. Okay, that that was not it. Oh, no. Okay. This was probably a much smaller one. I didn't see this uh this larger one, but the fact you're uh putting over its size so big, I I am assuming that is not what we went on. Um but for long-time listeners, I returned to the food building and went back <laughs> To the site of one of the greatest meals I've ever had in my life, I went to get the chicken sandwich and... Tokyo Hot. Tokyo Hot, yes. And it is a collaborative effort between Tokyo Hot and Nashville Hot. And it's two sandwiches that they offer you. And I ordered the sandwich... And I'm pretty sure I ordered the wrong one that I got last year. Last year I got the... The... the the Tokyo one, and I ordered the Nashville hot chicken sandwich. And this one, I mean, it was fine, but it was it was not the same. And I feel like I I took a gamble. I went fifty fifty, and I think I, I chose the wrong sandwich. Well, you know, they're actually like. So, did you get the Nashville hot or the Tokyo hot? Which one? Did you I get? got the Nashville hot. Oh, so you, what you wanted was the Tokyo hot. I think I wanted the Tokyo hot. Gotcha. Well, you know, they're actually a food truck. In the city, so maybe I know I need to just go track one of these down. But it was just the uh, the principle of it. I was right there, and I I had my expectations raised heavily. And then, I mean, it was a fine sandwich, but it was just it was one of those where it's so spicy that that just dominates it, and it's yeah. like you're not even enjoying anything else because it's just so damn spicy. I know there are people probably screaming at us right now, but um, I have to ask you this, John: Have you heard about the phenomenon of the 
Popeye's spicy chicken sandwich? No. So there's this like Popeye's spicy chicken sandwich, and I don't know if it's even available in Canada. I, I haven't heard about it, but apparently people like this thing has been sold out ever since it was announced. Um, and that like on August twelfth, this was announced, and it's just like dominated Twitter. It's it's just impossible to get. A man famously has filed a lawsuit against Popeye's for being unable to purchase one of these chicken sandwiches. So I mean. It's obviously that's ridiculous, but whatever the case, the hype for this chicken sandwich. Why has he sued? What is his, what is, why could he not get the sandwich? Uh, okay. So according to hypebeast.com, I'm actually reading it right now. This man named Craig Barr is accusing Popeyes for false advertising, deceptive business practices by entity to public, <laughs> countless time wasted driving to and from Popeyes, no chicken sandwich, was told to come back this day, still no sandwich. So. <laughs> People are like selling these sandwiches on the on like the aftermarket. Um, it's it's quite the impressive, I think, uh, hype train built around this chicken sandwich. That's amazing. Do you want to hear like the the funniest non funny uh, joke? You're you're not going to appreciate this, but maybe someone out there will. Uh, do you remember years and years ago when the Pope visited Toronto? I want to say this was maybe 2002. The Pope did a big visit. To Toronto, and this was like a big deal. I don't remember, but yeah. Okay, take my word for it. Mm -hmm. The Pope was here. And two of my friends, they were out that day, and they went for Popeye's. And when they got home, I believe it was my friend Brad, his mom goes to my two friends and said, did you guys see the Pope today? And they said, Pope? Yes. Because Popeye's broken up says pope yes <laughs> that's the reaction i wanted way uh, you know what while we're at it while we're at it i'm gonna take everyone behind the scenes right now because everyone at home can see this already they've already got their enjoyment out of this but way can you do me the honors of opening up our uh, google drive and go to the descriptions and i want your honest to god reaction to the show title for tonight's Rewind to Raw. I want your real-time reaction because Way has not seen this yet. I came up with it 10 minutes ago. And mm-hmm. after that Pope Yes joke coupled with this, Way might drop unconscious. Okay, so for people who don't know, we have a shared Google Doc where uh, John updates uh, our show titles uh, for every Rewind to Raw and SmackDown as well. So I'm about to look at what he has titled this edition of Rewind to Raw. If you saw, thought Mandible Lawler... Was not to your liking. You just wait. Okay. Rewind to Raw, September 2nd, 2019. Bailey's Irish Cream. Irish Cream. Yeah. I, I like it. Great. That's great. That's brilliant, actually. That was an okay reaction. No, that's great. I don't react big. I, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a thinker. Because she's... She's... Guess. Who did Bailey attack tonight? Yeah, and I guess you would call attacking somebody creaming somebody. It doesn't. It doesn't fully work. But to do a play on the word cream, then we're getting away because I don't even. I think Bailey's Irish cream I, is a thing. I think I didn't want to. I didn't want to play with. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Great job, thank you, Way. Um, are you excited about um, back to school Tuesday? Oh, I'm so excited! Yeah, got my backpack, got my cl- courses, got my classes. Um, 
Yeah. I feel this is our annual conversation on Labor Day where I tell you how much I used to just hate Labor Day. It was just such a um, – the worst holiday because you're just watching your summer tick away. There's There's very little to do on Labor Day other than watch your summer slowly end and then you're going back to school the next day. So it was never – Never a fun holiday. Labor Day as an adult, though, is awesome. Oh, it's every other. I, I don't know. It doesn't even it's really a, stand it's out a to me. I, weekend. I, I really like it to be honest because uh, usually this would be the weekend that uh, me and my family would like go away to a cottage. Although uh, AEW has altered vacation time, um, no. But it's uh, now I enjoy it. It's fun. It's it's a holiday Monday. We get a lot of holiday Mondays when you really think about it. Um, yeah, yeah. At least one a month, it seems. You'll get family day in February. Mm-hmm. In March is typically when, when March or April is when Easter lands. Then we've got Victoria Day in May. June, I want to say we're free of holidays. July, we've got Canada Day somewhere in there. Sometimes it'll land on a Monday. August, we've got a civic holiday. September, there's Labor Day. October, October's Halloween month. What are you, com- what are you complaining, John? I'm not. I'm just saying, like, it's, uh, you get a lot of these holidays that you don't really realize, I feel. I think that's by, by design. Like, the fact that they even created Family Day, a bullshit holiday, or even the civic holiday, is just so that we could have a break during that, those particular months. The thing is, though, for, for you, or for me, yeah, either of us, I, I don't really, like, Monday to me is a fairly busy day, so it's not like I really get a, uh, holiday i took half a day off today so that 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 was something mm. well anyway yeah i don't i just don't, i don't like to do that too much now like i feel like we do it too much do what too much just talk about oh how busy you know we are were you busy on the weekend catching up on stuff what did you watch uh i watched the uh, nxt uk uh, I thought it was a very good show. Enjoyed it. Uh, and I watched the main event of uh, Royal Quest. Royal Quest is already on New Japan World. Oh, wonderful. That's great. Did you see that? Did not. I think that this was a move that... You know the term penny-wise, pound-foolish? No, but sure. I can see for the day on Saturday, I'm sure that Fight TV and New Japan did very well of people that wanted to see this show, that ordered this show. But to be very quiet about the fact that it was going to go up on New Japan World two days later, I mean, that's all well and good. I understand the the business decision to do something like that and not announce when it's going on New Japan World. But I could certainly see the New Japan World consumer that went ahead and spent the $25 on Saturday saying, all right, you got me this time, but you will not get me next time. I could, I could be, yeah, maybe, especially when the Super J Cup has not gone up yet. Uh, that most people, I think, were assuming Royal Quest. It's going to be minimum a week before this this thing goes up, and it was up two days later. So that's fine. You can do whatever you choose, but I just think that's like pulling a fast one on your audience. Well, we don't know exactly what 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 you know why the reason was that they didn't have this on New Japan World, and the fact that this was up so soon after. Uh, you know, it, it occurred, whereas, you know, Super Jacob isn't, we, we just don't really know what's involved. So I, I, I feel like I can't really comment. But that's, that's the decision to put it on fight. Once it's on fight and you know, when it's going on new Japan world, uh, do you, do you make that known to people? 
Do you say, hey, I don't you can so. you can order it live or you can wait 48 hours and get it then? I mean, I personally don't think so because I think that would be really odd. Like at the same time as you're promoting it on, well, I don't know. I'm, I I don't even know where they would really announce something like this. But I I, I think if for people who pay to see it live, they at least have the benefit of not being spoiled because I certainly feel like it was impossible to miss these spoilers uh, by the time that the show was up. So I, I feel like, well, at the same time, though, you had a terrible stream if you did watch it live. So. Oh, awful stream. I'm sure yeah. that that, um, you know, left a lot of people that bought it getting fight TV credits or whatever, because it was, it was an awful experience for the mm-hmm. first half of that show that I could have seen a lot of people flipping over to uh, NXT, which honestly, of the three shows this weekend, like honestly, that, that New Japan show was, I thought, tremendous, but it was really marred by the technical problems. I think if you went live, Probably one of the best shows you've ever attended live. That crowd was amazing. The card was solid. I thought the last four matches uh, all delivered. Um, one, unfortunately, with, with the the Kenta injury in the midst of it, but still, like that was a that was an outstanding show from New Japan. Yeah, I haven't seen the whole thing yet, but uh, that main event was absolutely fantastic. So, what was your match of the weekend? Hmm. I think the short list is uh, Okada, Suzuki, Baylor, or. Bate and Walter, mm-hmm. and the latter match. I would put that as my shortlist, those three. Yep. Maybe you throw in Omega, Pac in there. But I would say the, the, those three would be my picks of the, the three you choose. Yeah. Um, I, I Of the three, I think I enjoyed Walter versus Tyler Bate the most. But um, it, it's a toss-up between that and Okada Suzuki. I'll say this. For both those matches, um, the match times... Um, they never felt as long as they were. I thought both just flowed so well. I got so into that Okada Suzuki match, and it it was I had the same experience as the uh, the BWE guys, where Okada and Suzuki ended, and then I flipped over to the WWE Network, and they were literally right in the ring, and I was about to take a break, and I said, you know what, I'm just going to sit here and watch this main event, and there I sat for another forty plus minutes, and. That crowd was fantastic. That match was fantastic. Like there was a lot of great wrestling on Saturday. Mm-hmm. All right, and I encourage everyone to go check out the uh, the British Wrestling Experience. They did a fantastic rundown of the Royal Quest and UK Takeover cards from Saturday. It was a very very busy one, and they have a a two plus hour rundown, including Will Cooling, who went to the Summer Sizzler Show, which had its own forty minute main event with Will Osprey and David Starr on Friday. So you can catch all of that great stuff. Uh, where shall we start with? Uh, you want to talk about what's uh, coming up this week? Sure. On Tuesday, Wayne and I are back with Rewind to SmackDown. Then on Wednesday, we are going to have the double shot. And what are we going to talk about this week, Way? This week on the double shot, we will be talking about episodes five and six of this current season of Glow, which has been really interesting to, to study and analyze. And uh, have you watched this week's editions yet? I've watched episode five. I have to watch episode six. Okay, yeah. So um, we'll be uh, diving deep into those as well. I believe, John, you wanted to discuss the um, what? What was the what came up on the network this week? Uh, the Adrian Street special. Um, yes. I'm just going to do a l- little quick thoughts. It's it's really brief. It's 20 minutes on the network. Um, Jeremy Borash worked on this, as did uh, Sean Ryan, uh, the same team that the, those guys worked on the Prime Target special. So curious if anyone watched that. I think that one kind of got. Lost in the Shuffle on Saturday, but that premiered on the network as well. As well, uh, you wanted to talk about some StarCast panels too, right? 
Yes, I watched a bunch of them, including the CM Punk one. So maybe we'll uh, we'll share some thoughts. Way did a fantastic rundown of that Punk chat on the website. And yes, I watched. What all did I watch? I watched uh, numerous panels. So maybe we'll do some uh, some rapid fire thoughts on some of the panels from Starcast. So all of that will be on the double shot on Wednesday night. If you're a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe. Fast forward to Thursday, we've got the Cafe Hangout. Uh, we'll be going live at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. If you are a Double Double Ice Cap or Espresso member, you can call in, Skype in, and watch live. Plus, Braden and, and Davey will be coming at you with Up Next, and then Friday. The return of Ask Away. The mailbag is once again full, and we are going to empty it and answer all of your questions. And then Saturday, UFC 242 Post Show, and Sunday, the main event. WH Park is back. It is the return of Post Puroresu with myself and WH chatting a lot of uh, of catching up to do in the Japanese scene. Fresh off Cruel Summer, WH Park is back. Great job again by WH uh, completing 28 episodes of Cruel Summer. And a big thank you to him as well as everybody who appeared on him for one of those shows. You can find the entire archive and watch and follow along at your leisure if you haven't already yet by uh, just going to our website, postwrestling.com and going to podcast and then clicking on cruel summer. All the episodes are there. Yes. Uh, I think that's a series that you can go back to. It's timeless and a great look at the past 28 years of new Japan pro wrestling and the G one climax. And uh, WH is already looking at his next oh, idea. He announced the name and I think it's so perfect. Shall we talk about it here? Well, maybe I'll struck. Oh, oh, sorry. Well, there we we'll go. We'll talk about the concept first. So WH, I, I need to get more details from him. He is going to go back and look at some of the greatest matches in Jushin Thunder Liger's history. And uh, I think he's going to have a very similar concept of uh, bringing together many different guests. Uh, I, I have one request I'm going to make, the, my, my dream podcast tandem that I, I'm hoping he will assemble for one of these episodes. Okay, you're not going to say it? Well, if he doesn't get the person, then it's like I've really built this up, and then there's no payoff at the end. So right. I'll privately tell him, "Hey, you've got to make this happen." Just just yeah. for my own entertainment, uh, two two of the best voices out there. By the way, being one of them. Let me just say, uh, you know, I think "Cruel Summer" was a perfect name for this show, but I think he's outdone himself with "Thunderstruck." What what a this guy. You should be. I mean, you do do a great job, John. I, Bailey's Irish Cream is tremendous. <laughs> oh, I I uh, defer to WH. Thunderstruck, I think, is perfect. We're gonna have a bit of an issue probably getting the rights to to that one. Um, oh, I got them. Don't worry, we're fine. Oh, you got them. We're good. Yes. You, yeah. you contact the. Did you talk to Angus or who? Um, I said uh, I called up uh, the the estate. Yeah, got it. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. They're all good. All right, let's get into just a couple news items here. Um, Tony Khan did his uh, his usual media scrum after the all-out pay-per-view and covered quite a lot of ground. This thing's about 40 minutes. Um, you can find it on YouTube. Chris Van Vliet has the entire scrum, as do uh, some other outlets. And just wanted to just kind of jot down some of these news items and get some of your thoughts away. I, I guess one of the... one of the main topics coming out of this was the status of Kylie Ray. That's sort of been a mystery for the last couple of weeks. Um, she has not... Uh, done any shows has removed herself from social media and when it was brought up she said um tony khan said that they have released her after she requested it he categorized it as amicable uh, but didn't go into much detail and whenever you have a story like this where everything is um being kept very quiet 
it can really lead into a lot of speculation that I really don't want to get into, but certainly it is something that I think people are going to be curious about. And she has not said a thing. So it's really hard to um, go beyond this other than what has been presented. And that's the fact that she apparently requested her release was granted it. And that's where we stand. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's sort of the nature of, of uh, fans and wrestling journalists to want to know exactly what, what happened, especially when it comes to, you know, a, the sudden departure, it seems of somebody who uh, by all accounts seemed seemed to be getting a big push from AEW. So um, it came as a surprise to, I'm sure everybody, uh, at the same time, the fact that she hasn't revealed it tells me that she probably doesn't want to reveal it, or at least doesn't want to reveal it yet. She's probably waiting for the right moment to do so. So at this point, I think, you know, it's people just conti- can continue to speculate. But I don't think I think at some point we just have to really give it up and just wait to, until she's ready. I, I think that, you know, ultimately it'll be her deciding if she's going to, you know, it, whether it be return to wrestling and put out some statement or discuss it, um, that's probably um, what you're looking at. So it's really hard to go beyond that of like whatever it is she is going through. Uh, He added that there is going to be a show name for the TNT name and didn't say what it would be other than they didn't want any confusion between the name of the promotion and the name of the television show. So that's all kind of up in the air in terms of the broadcasting team. Uh, you know, it was said over the weekend that it was looking to be Excalibur, Jim Ross, and Tony Schiavone. And when Tony Khan spoke about it, it just seemed to be like they're still kind of figuring all of that out, but that there is quite a push to have Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone calling matches together. If that becomes the final team, what do you think about that three-man team of Shivani, Ross, and Excalibur? I mean, without really having heard, you know, modern day Jim Ross with modern day Tony Schiavone, and especially with them with Excalibur, it's really kind of hard to say. I will say I thought I really enjoyed the team of Golden Boy with JR and uh, Excalibur on the pay-per-view. Um, you know, at, at the same time, um, we know that Shivani is sort of on like a part-time basis because he's got other uh, responsibilities with other other people. He's also working at a ba- as a backstage producer for uh, a lot of their video content. Um, I more so expect Shivani to be sort of like a special appearance type of thing um, rather than maybe every single Wednesday. But um, I-, I think there there's, you know, a bit of a nostalgia effect attached to it, especially on TNT, which would be nice. I would like to see them stick with this golden boy Excalibur and Jim Ross team though. I thought they did very well on, on Saturday. I, I enjoyed the commentary for the most part. And um, I think that it could also be something where it doesn't have to be you're, you're dead set on the same three people every single week. You have a lot of names there that you can uh, rotate in and out depending on people's schedule. And Shivani could be one of those. I think just given his long list of all the duties that he has beyond just wrestling, um, it's going to be hard to imagine this guy being at TV every single week. And we know he's not going to be at the next pay-per-view on November 9th, mm-hmm. uh, which they've announced uh, actually will be taking place at the same place. Raw took place tonight at the Royal farms arena in Baltimore called full gear. And I think on Tuesday morning, they're announcing all the ticket information uh, for that. Uh, Tony Khan added that when they were looking at the night of the week to run uh, a big thing was not wanting to run against the NFL on Monday nights or, or any times with the NFL, of course, him with his involvement with the Jacksonville Jaguars 
and just not wanting to run against that that behemoth. So when it came down to Tuesdays and Wednesdays, uh, obviously TNT has a lot of NBA commitments on Tuesday. That led to Wednesday being the natural fit and said that they'd be running every week except for Christmas, which lands on a Wednesday this year. So that I take that to mean that they'll be running on New Year's Day next year because that'll be on a Wednesday as well. So presumably they will be um, going 51 weeks a year minus for, or at least 51 weeks for the first year. Uh, maybe by next year, they'll be able to run on a Wednesday. Could they do like a pre-tape or like a best of or something like that? I would imagine you'd put something in that slot that would yeah. be AEW related. Um, yeah, you maybe maybe it would be something where you could take uh, some of the best matches from your pay-per-views and put it together, kind of like what UFC did a few years ago on Fox. And, you know, for the first time ever, you get to see... You know, some like this ladder match, for instance, that could be something that you put in a two hour slot. I'm sure there's ideas of what you could do on that day because uh, Christmas is not the worst day to, you know, it's it's not great to run a, a live event per se and wanting everyone to be maybe at home on Christmas Day. But for programming, um, that could be a day that you could attract some eyeballs that you wouldn't on other weeks. I think it'd be a perfect time to like, you know, do some type of like uh I don't want to say completely comedy, but like bring a bit more of that being the elite flavor. You know, they've they've had a lot of fun with holiday specials as part of their web show uh, for a long time. Maybe that would be a time for you to really flex your com- comedic muscles. A, co- you re- a Christmas special. Do you remember when Saturday Night Live did? Um, they had John Malkovich read uh, "Twas the Night Before Christmas." I don't the children. Remember. No, on I don't. SNL. This is a very famous sketch. I'm thinking of uh, "Twas the Night Before Christmas." Uh, with Tully Blanchard, maybe. Brilliant. I, I know this happens on Christmas Day, but I'd be willing to excuse the one night later and have Tully Blanchard reading Twas the Night Before Christmas to all of the children of the AEW roster. Well, they already have librarians, so I'm sure he wouldn't have any issue finding a copy. That's why you're the best way. Um he said he uh, kind of added about Tully Blanchard likely re- remaining attached to Sean Spears. So I think they have certainly keyed in on something great with Tully Blanchard. So I would really hope that this guy uh, is going to stick around. And then adding that uh, Saturday was the last you're going to see of the AAA tag titles. And that makes sense with your tag titles coming in, not wanting to have two sets. And this kind of wraps up that story. But uh, interesting, the fact that you have, you know, Pentagon and Phoenix winning the match over the Bucks holding up these AAA tag titles. And I think a lot of people expect Pentagon and Phoenix to be involved in AEW, but it is not official yet. And yeah, this was kind of the wrap up of that. And I guess you kind of needed tag titles for this, for this program before you were ready to roll out your own. Honestly, like I don't, I don't think anybody watching really cared who won the belt so much. I mean, they really were just props to hang up on above those ladders. Uh, another interview, um, this was done by a reporter named Alex McCarthy with TalkSport, uh, with Paul Levesque. Uh, this happened over the weekend with the NXT UK special and just a few notes uh, from that one. Um, Paul Levesque noted that NXT UK, he said is the second most popular show on the network after NXT, which I imagine he would mean, uh, like weekly episodes as opposed to, you know, your, your pay-per-views for instance, that I would imagine have Significantly more viewership than either. He said to look for more TakeOver UK specials in 2020, which should make for some um, fun weekends. And I guess the uh, anything on that. Well, I mean, I, I, I was just going to say, I don't know if that 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 fact is 
all that impressive when you really think about it. So it beats 205 Live. It beats what main event or uh, it beats. I mean, if you're you're talking about like, yeah, weekly episodes, I mean, there isn't, um, you know, he just said it's the second most popular show. So I don't know what that really includes. Uh, Obviously, no one's assuming NXT UK and NXT are topping uh, pay-per-views. I'd be even surprised if they're beating like the ride-alongs, to be honest. Sure. Well, the fact that it beats 205, I guess, is somewhat significant. You know, I feel like 205 Live has, has received a whole lot more. Uh, publicity by by having matches on pay-per-view and WrestleManias. So maybe that means something. Uh, regarding Vince McMahon's involvement with NXT on the USA Network, uh, Levesque said that Vince is not involved, but added, he's going to have some say in some things as far as where the brand sits and the marketing of it within USA and all that stuff. And clearly, whatever he wants to do at the end of the day also. But truth is, at this point in time, he has basically just said, go and make this thing a success. Cool, cool. I think that's that's a great deal of uh, confidence for people who are fans of the current uh, form of NXT. Um, we'll see. We will see. And then, of course, there was the um, the story that was brought up uh, on the weekend, the fact that he uh, he shot down having any interest in Enzo. And I would say the only thing that was like really notable uh, was the fact that it was presented about the interest in Enzo and Cass, and he really singled out Enzo here as the one that he appeared to not have any interest in and was mum regarding Cass. The fact that, like, oh, yeah, that is very interesting. But I, I also find it interesting that, uh, you know, Triple H is, has been so... It's a, it's such a contrast to, to the way Vince runs his business because Triple H has, has been so, I guess, you know, seemingly open to the media and, and even answering questions like this. Um it, it seems to be a different philosophy than, you know, what the WWE typically uh, uses. Maybe he's going to start doing uh, post-show scrums where he gets up in front of the media. He kind of has, hasn't he? Like the post well, takeover. He does the he does the conference calls after. And I, and I, and I went to one of those. Uh, he, he actually did weekend. like a post. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it. Didn't he do it like a. So that wasn't a conference call. That was actually a press conference. That was a press conference, yeah. And then they also do have some reporters on the line that they right. take some calls from. So, you know, in, in a way, yeah, he, he has been doing those. So um, to me, it tells you, like, he t- completely understands how to push his brand. It's through, you know, like, the use of, of wrestling media and, and being respectful and being open and giving, you know, uh, access to, to wrestling journalists. I will say for for one thing with, with the the AEW ones, I really like the idea of doing these these scrums afterwards. I think it adds a lot to their product. I think it tells yeah. the audience that we we want to be treated and covered by your outlets. I don't like them running angles in these scrums. I don't like the idea of suddenly it's like we're making the media members uh, unwilling participants here in our storylines. Uh, that's where I think you're either going to do these in this kind of sports presentation or mm-hmm. else you're not telling people that hey we want you to be part of uh the show here and well, that's not what reporters are there to be at the same time though i think they're simply following new japan pro wrestling's playbook where they use these types of settings to allow their wrestling characters i guess you know in the case of the bucks they in cody a lot of them really do talk out of the character but then you have certain people that are there just to speak in character it it gets a little bit awkward because some some 
characters like dip in and out like you heard the bucks kind of dip in and out Britt baker was a total kayfabe backstage interview and i thought it came across terribly it's it's not valuable to aew because no one's writing stories coming out of that it's just uh it's like you're gonna write a story based on any of those comments Britt baker gave in any kind of serious fashion not a story but people are going to pay attention you Mm. know in what way like we're talking about it right now we're, about how them. it doesn't work. I, I don't think I, that any I just of, think she was bad at it. That's all. But I like, think they can be much more valuable. I think t- Britt Baker, just talking as Britt Baker, that's a lot more interesting. Like we talk about like these profile pieces. It's like it's the individual that people are getting into. And I just think that there's a value for this. But if you and I weigh, if we looked at, okay, these are all going to be if you and I are deciding we're going to go and dedicate our resources to covering an AEW show where afterwards you're going to get uh, four wrestler scrums and content with, uh, but they're in character. It's that, true. That's, that significantly turns me off of going to cover something like that because that's of no value to a site like ours. So I think if you're going to do these and present things like Tony Khan speaking as Tony Khan, where there is news here, I don't think there's any value in mixing that with just – uh, where sh- you're shooting angles with Hangman Page and Pac, or you're sending them out in character. But that to me is like, y- that's totally missing the tone of the room and meeting. Mm. I-, I think it depends on the outlet, first of all, but I think it also depends on, on the intent. Is the intent simply to get a headline out there for on a new- wrestling you know, news website? Or is it to, you know, just use that space to to further give your talent more room to tell their stories? Like New Japan Pro Wrestling uses that time. Uh, maybe in North America, it, it works slightly differently. I don't know how open, you know, the, the, like a sports illustrated might be to like, well, actually maybe that's a bad example. Cause they, anyway, but, um, I, I, I'm sure it's something they will continue to play along, along with. I think it's a new, interesting idea that we're getting to see like a major promotion, give this type of access after shows to, to wrestling journalists. Uh, but wrestling is so weird you know like some stuff is in character some stuff is out of character and i think they will continue to play along with that sensitivity as these shows progress yeah we'll see i think it's um i I think it's something that they could they could really separate themselves from do something that you know at least wwe at the main roster even at nxt it's like they're never doing that where they're sending their performers out like that after a show i think it's a cool thing aew could do but it's I think it has to be done where you're respecting the media there of what they are seeking. And I, and I don't think it's uh, doing what you would do in like a new Japan setting, for instance, where it's all uh, in character. Final thing, uh, speaking of new Japan, they released uh, a bunch of their cards. I'm not going to run through all of the lineups here, but we have our cards for the three destruction shows, uh, plus the top three matches for King of pro wrestling in October. So Destruction in Beppu will be on Sunday, September the 15th. This is at 4 a.m. Eastern. And along with the Young Lion Cup tournament going on throughout this tour, uh, this show will be headlined by Hiroshi Tanahashi, Zack Sabre Jr. for the British heavyweight title. Uh, This is a great match every time out. Are they going to the well too often with this one? This will be the third match in about a month between these two. Uh, as like as somebody just paying attention on New Japan World, not going to these shows live. I mean, I'm not that excited for it because it's you know it's it's a match that I, I think they've done so often now. Um, 
and this is like the match on this show. Mm-hmm. There is like uh, there's a tag t- a non title match between the Gorillas of Destiny against Tomohiro Ishii and Yoshihashi. That's second from the top. So this is largely your interest in the Young Lion Cup and Tanahashi's Zack Saber Jr. on top. That I would say that's that's my interest in this show. This this, this is the, it, it's and a showcase of kind of all your other feuds in different tags. I imagine, you know, coming off of G1 and not now really coming off of this, like, Royal Quest show, which featured some big matches, it, it must be such a challenge for them to come up with, like, good main events for all of these shows that they have to fill. Uh, the next one is the following day, uh, Destruction in Kagoshima, with Kota Bushi versus Kenta with the IWGP title match a contract on the line. This being the rematch from the show in Dallas where Kenta beat Abushi. Plus, they've got... El Fantasmo and Taiji Ishimori defending the junior heavyweight tag titles against the Birds of Prey, Will Ospreay uh, and Robbie Eagles. Can I can I just give whoever came up with that name a big round of applause? I think that's it's it's it beats Jurassic Express uh, as my favorite wrestling tag team name. It, I like. I was like, man, respect Birds of Prey for brilliant, brilliant, very good. Um, that will. Uh, yeah, and then that's that's rounded out by a lot of tags here, other Young Lion Cup matches. And then the big one is Destruction in Kobe on September 22nd uh, with Tatsuya Naito versus Jay White for the IC title. They had previously announced that. Shingo Takagi versus Hiroki Goto. That's going to be phenomenal. Uh, Kazuchika Okada, Rapongi 3K against Sonata, Evil, and Bushi. Then we have Kota Bushi, Tomohiro Ishii, Will Ospreay, Yoshihashi, and Robbie Eagles against Kenta, the Gorillas of Destiny, Taiji Ishimori, and El Fantasmo. Tanahashi, Liger, Tiger Mask, and Rocky Romero against Zack Sabre Jr., Minoru Suzuki, Kanemaru, and uh, Doki is back. He's back. Everybody's favorite. Yes. Doki. Um, Those are the top matches there. And then finally, King of Pro Wrestling, October 14th, a holiday Monday in Canada as we celebrate Thanksgiving, I believe. Okay. And what's on the show? Kazuchika Okada versus Sonata for the IWGP heavyweight title. John Moxley's return to New Japan to defend the... IWGP United States title against Juice Robinson in a no DQ match and Will Ospreay versus El Fantasmo. Um, you know why? They wanted to make this a no DQ match because uh, in the event that there was a, a double disqualification, uh, both would advance and be granted the title. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So far, uh, this card looks, you know, top three matches. Interesting that you're going to have John Moxley on the first well, presumably the first two weeks of TV and then would fly over to do this. And I don't know if he'd be able to make the Wednesday TV. I I guess he could. I have to imagine he's still a bit of an unknown at this point, right? That's it's a great point. It's, um, you know, after the initial idea of four weeks, um, Tony Khan in the scrum said that, you know, he didn't really have a timetable for this guy. But I'm guessing they're they're hoping October 14th he'll be OK. Hmm. Okay, well, it would be kind of shitty if he missed, like, anyway, but, uh, yeah, it's too bad. It's it's too bad that he had to miss all this, but hopefully he's he's ready in time for AEW's debut, and, and especially this rematch against Juice Robinson. Um, you know, in these cards, I would say, I, I don't know how excited I am. They're really all, like, you know, rematches from, from the G1, but I think, you know, with title ramifications attached to it to him this time, uh, for that reason, I will be watching all the title matches. But a lot of these, you know, the Young Lion Cup is really interesting too. So um, maybe some of these, uh, some of those, those matches, I will check out as well. The Young Lion Cup has a lot of interest for me. Um, yeah. So 
should be some good uh, top end matches, and I think those Young Lion Cup matches uh, could certainly be standouts uh, to look forward to. But now we look forward to Raw from Baltimore on Monday night, and to kick off the show, out came Braun Strowman for the contract signing, and Michael Cole is already in the ring. And do you pay attention to the different uh, photos that they use whenever they're doing their graphic packages and the still shots they use of the guys, specifically Braun Strowman's? Sometimes, sometimes. Um, I didn't notice anything off this time, but okay. Why? Next time, next time you see the the still shot of Braun Strowman, I want you to look at that photo and the face he's making, and convince me that that was a legit pose and not an outtake that he was doing for laughs that they decided yeah we're going with that one it was that was it bad was it that bad you look at it next time and you tell me the answer if i'm crazy um then seth rollins comes out and renee said this so quickly that i misheard it where it sounded like she said there is so much pressure on batman's shoulders and she had said, that man's shoulders. <laughs> I had to rewind this. I was like, wait a minute. Have they just given Seth a new uh, vi- violating copyright new name? <laughs> Batman Rollins. Uh, I don't know about that. Have you seen the Joker um, trailer I yet? S- oh, I still haven't seen the trailer, and okay. you, you told me. Hey, I just sent you a photo uh, of what I think you're referring to with Braun Strowman. Is, is that the photo you're talking about? Yeah, it looks like he's blowing a kiss. Hmm. Nah, it's just... <laughs> I don't think this is an this, It's weird. This is the pose, but it, it, it looks less weird than I... No, it, it's it's still a, a weird pose for your, your monster among men. It's just what his, like, you know, I don't give a shit face. Mm, that looks like his... Uh, well, anyway, I'm... I, I'm about to go. All right. I'm I'm going to retweet it. You ask Just for people. people. So the two argue. Both want to be double champion. Duh. Rollins calls him the monster among men. But to win this title, I had to slay the beast, which you could not do. So a clash of champions, I'm going to slay a monster. Yeah. This was a lot of nicknames uh, to use. Why Why don't we have... Um, I wish he was, we can call I wish he was facing Kofi, because then he would have to say, now I have to slay a dreadlock dynamo. The dreadlock dynamo was uh, retired, <laughs> thankfully. That one didn't have time to take off. The OC interrupted them, and they mocked Braun's way of getting a title shot by looking at the title, and that's how he won it. Man, AJ also, like, you know, he was mocking at how, like, uh, Rollins and Strowman ha- have to, like, get along now and that they're they're best friends. In the middle of this, he said, calm by ye. <laughs> Dude, he had some real struggles with some of the words. Like, he messed up Clash of Champions. Uh, there was another thing in here where he just got tongue-tied. I missed that. Calm by ye. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That that would have been the show title if I heard it. Let's all get around the campfire and sing calm by ye. That is going to be well, most people. It's like, you know, you hear about a great match and that's what you go back to watch. These are the things that I miss that I will go back and watch oh, yeah, on Raw's Kumbaya. We're, We're real assholes. So he says by proxy as the United States champion, he should be getting the next shot. 
Uh, that would be if this title was over and treated as such. He asks, who am I supposed to face? And then this actually was funny because then he started like shifting his hips, like posing with the title, asking someone to look at his title so they can get a title shot. That part was, was rather amusing. And he asks, why are Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler receiving a tag title match? They're not even a team. Uh, so we're completely ignoring last week's gauntlet. And then Styles threatens Michael Cole, and that gets a big pop. He tears up the contract, and then Braun lifts up the table vertically and smashes AJ in the face. And everyone fights, and the OC is sent to the floor. And you know what I was thinking? Man, I wish we had a moderator that could have really laid down the law here. Because now we have a main event and no signatures on the contract really was was the big um fault of this segment i thought it was you know what we need we need a we need a, an enforcer to be the moderator that's that is what we need yeah 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 i mean no match without the contract right that's it yeah what's what are they promote are they falsely advertising this pay-per-view this is not signed it's mm -hmm. really irresponsible on behalf of the company Rollins and Braun took on Carl and Luke. Anderson gets in the tree of woe. He takes a bunch of stomps and a running drop kick from Rollins. Gallows comes in. They take over. Braun then chases AJ off for the commercial break. Braun gets the hot tag. Shoulder tackles everyone. Gallows stops a power slam, and they get hit with a double shoulder tackle. Then Mrs. Carl runs into the post. I, I belabor this point a lot about the, the shoulder spots. This had to be an all-time record on this night in Baltimore. Um, perhaps, yeah, perhaps. Were you keeping count? I think I hit like five alone in the Baron-Cedric match. Mm. Rollins gets the tag. He knocks AJ off the apron, but Carl gets a roll-up. Rollins reverses it and pins Carl with the schoolboy the night before everyone goes back. And Rollins and Braun win. The back-to-school boy. The back-to-school boy. <laughs> Love it. A very standard TV match. You know, not much to say in terms of in-ring. Um, yeah, average... Good. Crowd was very engaged throughout. Um, I thought they really got them for the post-match. The idea was, let's let's pin Carl Anderson, and then we're going to do a post-match attack so quickly, no one's going to remember who won this match. That seemed to be the Pretty much. idea here. AJ got jumped by Seth before uh, the referee even stood up. They fought off the OC, hit a dive, and then Braun shoulder tackled them all, including Gallows, and as he ran through Gallows, knocked over Seth Rollins accidentally, or was it? So Strowman is all on his own. Ziggler and Rude run down to join the OC in an attack on Braun. Now, remember, Seth is still out. Graves was so excited, he said, and I quote, it's essentially five on three. Okay. Hmm. Cole then allowed this uh, error to just exist and for people like me to write it down. And then he waited for me to finish my notes as he said, it's five on one. You know, maybe the invisible heat, man heat of there. the moment, heat of the moment. Yeah. Braun uh, got nailed into the steps. Then they attacked Rollins, including Rude hitting a glorious DDT. They beat down Braun some more. He fought back and then they hit the magic killer. But this was an extra uh, bit of uh, magic dust that they used because it was all five. Uh, uh, it was Rude and Ziggler helping with the magic killer and then AJ hit a phenomenal forearm. So an extra magic killer. Yeah, I mean, because Braun is huge. 
Yes. He needs yeah. someone to rotate him as well. Multiple people. I thought this was all fine, you know, putting a lot of emphasis on, on the OC. Um, continuing to build him as, like, you know, a main event level threat here. And reminding us that, oh, Rude and Ziggler are part of this too. Yeah, trying to get them involved here. I mean, you watch this and you would think that AJ and the OC have a really prominent role with Rollins and Strowman. And they really don't. They don't have any program going into Clash of Champions. So I don't know what they're going to do with all of these guys. AJ really is like integrating himself pretty deeply in, in, into the, the main event program. And, you know, the um, uh, the fact that he has nothing coming up, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like he has to be a part of this, doesn't he? Maybe they're just going to do some throwaway six-man at the pay-per-view. You just have to find a babyface team, though. Maybe. Just if you want to just get bodies on this pay-per-view. Or maybe they don't. Maybe they're just not on this pay-per-view. Um. Steve Austin's Twitter reaction to the contract signing. He said, Michael Cole sucks as a moderator. More to come. God, what's, what's going through Steve's head? What's, what's he thinking? He wants to do this job. He, was, he, he wrote this tweet, and then he got on TripAdvisor. He was thinking, you know what? New York City next week. Well, they already announced him, didn't they? On the website way. Doesn't oh. exist on the show. Yeah. All right. uh, this month, they're doing the uh, the Connors Cure initiative, and then they had some videos later on in the show. Charlie interviewed Cedric Alexander to talk about Baron Corbin, but he got jumped by the OC and driven really hard into this production case and was favoring his arm, and this would play into the Baron Corbin match. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, and continuing to really show the OC as like a company-wide threat, not just um, Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman. Uh, Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler, they were all warmed up from the attack, so they decided to have a tag match with the former tag champions, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. Uh, The match started with uh, the two heels getting the advantage on Hawkins for a long time after running him into the barricade. When I say for a long time, as long as you can have during a heat spot in a four-minute TV match. Ryder came in. He really struggled to get Ziggler over the top rope, which is a bit of a metaphor. Rough Rider is stopped by Rude, and then the double-team spinning neckbreaker. Ziggler makes the save. Ziggler then back body drops Ryder out, super kicks Hawkins into a glorious DDT. Rude pins Hawkins. Uh, simple tag match, um, trying to establish Rude and Ziggler, who I, I like these two together. I like them more this week, you know, and, and the fact that they're... I thought they did a good job with them here on this episode. I, I can buy them as top challengers because both of them look really good in the ring. Um, I just wish there was a bit more backstory about why they've teamed up together. Maybe right. a promo, maybe a backstage skit or something, something to just give me uh, uh, some semblance that they're an actual team and not just two people, you know, like put together on a character select screen by by random choice. But I think they, they've done a good job with them two weeks in. Natalia versus Lacey Evans followed that. Uh, Natalia jumped her as she was on her way to the ring and then the match begins. There was this slingshot atomic drop by Natalia, and then a seated drop kick. Evans then took over, working over Natalia's bad arm that I think is just never going to heal itself. And she missed with the twisting moonsault from the top. Uh, Natalia hits her with these big clotheslines and a discus version and just yells, Lacey, you nasty bitch. She said it yeah, on TV. Evans then pleads from the ropes. And throws her handkerchief to distract Natalia and hits her with the woman's right in five minutes 
and 12 seconds. I thought the, the finish was a little silly. Like, throwing a handkerchief at someone's face, is, it's unique. I mean, I, I haven't really seen it before. Um, I don't know how much I buy it, but, I mean, it works for the character, whatever. I thought the match was actually good. Like, Natalia, very good as a lead here. And Lacey, I thought, definitely pulled her weight. To me, there was nothing at all wrong with this match. Um, it felt like they executed everything that they set out to do. Constant action. This was not boring. This was a far better performance from Lacey than last week. Um, oh, yes. I don't know how much this audience really cared uh, about either character, unfortunately. But I think in terms of technical execution, this was very well done by both of them. Yeah, I thought I thought that you know Lacey had a much better outing than the Bailey match last week. That was to me just a wreck, especially for the first half. And I think wise here to you know five minutes. That's what Lacey needs on television. And I, th- I thought that you know it-, it was fine, not like blow away great or anything. But I thought it was solid, fine to- for the to- time that they had. Totally solid from Lacey. SmackDown promo Tuesday show the fallout from Roman Reigns attacker being revealed. Last week. So they are going with, like, Rowan as, like, the soul, soul attacker, or Brian as the soul attacker, or, like... Part, part, so, in the, the story now, Rowan is the attacker. Uh, we don't know what happened with the twin. That was never really explained, that oh. that was all a fake plan by Brian and Rowan. They kind of just skipped that. And we don't so, know who drove the forklift, either, on the other side. Um, well... Or are we for- ignoring that completely? Well, uh, phantom forklift driver, remote. Didn't you forklift? ever watch those Wyatt family uh, videos? They can teleport. So Eric they actually Rowan, did explain that Rowan can teleport. Eric Rowan was in the forklift and then teleported to the other side of the crates to knock the crates down. Yes, he's not. He's not a smart teleporter. I would have teleported myself to Man. another state. A uh, a vintner and a teleporter. Man, of yeah. many, many talents. Wow. Yes. Well, this angle is going to make us all whine by the end of the year. Oh, boy. It's one of those nights. Uh, Becky Lynch comes out. They plugged her appearance for straight up Steve Austin on uh, Monday night. She comes out to cut a promo and asks where Sasha Banks is. What happened to her? She says she has no reason for whining. She was the centerpiece of NXT. She then got main events on the roster. She even got bouquets of flowers after her matches, which, as I recall, happened one time, I think, after the the second Bailey match, after that, the Iron Man match, which uh, some people will disagree, I thought was the better match than the Brooklyn match. It's been so long, but um, I I, I don't think that's outlandish at all. Uh, But still, it's, it's more bouquets than Becky's ever had. Has Becky not gotten any flowers over this last year? I guess not. She's never had any type of like, like you know, notable NXT match or or even like a goodbye match where she she would have had like the the the, the flower treatment. Uh, she says she was an afterthought after Sasha and Charlotte, but turns out they were frauds. Sasha left with nothing after WrestleMania. Bailey, meanwhile, has been doing just fine without her, and asks Sasha, "Does that sting?" While I'm the face of the company. Sasha should have been the game changer. She should have been me and reminds her how badly uh, she was treated by Sasha when she was on top. And this prompts Sasha to come out. Becky says Becky only received all these things because Nia Jax broke your face. Awesome. She challenged her to a fight, but Sasha is not going to do anything for free. She does it for the paycheck. And then Becky says, 
well, then clearly you failed the impact test because you think it's 2013 when we were on pay-per-view. <laughs> <laughs> so she's going to face her a clash the of people champions. people who, who don't like actually watch and just rely on recaps, um, I, I, I love, I would love to know what they think of some of these shoot lines that WWE has been putting into their uh, segments occasionally. See, you're the one that keeps this logical because if you didn't react like that, I think that there would be a portion that would just go through like, God. damn, that's like Did a really hear? weird line. Hey, I heard Sasha said this. I couldn't believe it. Wow. Man. It's attitude era. Becky brought up how they lost their 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 payoffs so when they went to the network. Um, so Sasha makes the challenge for Clash of Champions. Becky accepts, and Sasha ends by saying, the man is going to be the boss's bitch. Yeah, they put the word bitch in there. Twice, twice on this show. The other was more subtle. Right. Uh, I, I thought an excellent pair of promos here, uh, especially from, from Becky. You know, making use of very believable... Uh, emotions that play off of reality like she talked about it in her uh special she talks about this story actually you know more than once where uh mattel made dolls of uh the other two and they didn't make one of her for the wrestlemania main event so it's this is all like you know feelings that are based in reality that i think anybody who's followed both of these women in their careers can really understand and get behind so well delivered well scripted from both women this is definitely starting to feel like it's an anticipated main event, which which this woman's division on both brands, neither of them have really had since WrestleMania. Yeah, I, I thought this was a great segment. Um, this is only me, like, guessing, but this one, this segment really felt like a Paul Heyman segment. A lot and of the show kind yeah. of had that. Especially this program, which we'll we'll talk about at the end, too. You know, the closing sh- segment of, of, the, of the show, I mean. And then in my... <laughs> the best. This segment ends. We cut to the back, and the street profits are just—they're stunned. They're—they're they're speechless, and all they can do is count down to the commercial break. And that was it. That was all we got of the street profits tonight. I really don't mind. Like I, I know they—they they are full of personality, and I think everybody likes them. But to me, they're starting to be a little bit um, annoying, um, especially like you know. If if they go on a little bit long, so I I I thought this was perfect. You know, it gives us a, a bit of a break, gives them a bit of a break, and still gets them on the show. Baron Corbin versus Cedric Alexander in the uh, in the G one climax. Uh, Corbin did an insert promo. He is going to exile everyone that has spoken negatively about him on social media. You know, it's not like these promos are like amazing. But I do really like the fact that they're giving time for a lot of these King of the Ring participants to actually talk. Um, you know, it gives a bit of a taste of their personality and a bit of what they're fighting for. and just kind of helps, you know, break up the monotony of like an en- entrance. I just think this guy needs to learn the block button. Like there's literally a way to exile everyone that speaks negatively about you. Yeah. Or mutes or yeah. Did you hear? Obviously you did. You watched the whole thing. Yeah. The the notification settings, I my I, eyes just perked up when I heard this because I was not aware of this. I've never looked into that section, honestly. Like the idea that I could block out people that don't have photos, that yeah. are just eggs, that is very appealing. Oh, these are advanced filters. Yeah, I didn't even know about I this. I have never dove into these. I've been stuck with muting. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. You can like mute pe- yeah, people you don't follow. You can mute people who don't follow you. You can mute new accounts. You can mute uh, people with the egg. You can mute people who haven't confirmed their email, who haven't confirmed their phone number. <laughs> Damn. That's amazing. These should be, you know, basic filters. They, not those advanced. should be way more known than they are because I don't think too many people are aware. Uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll speak for myself. I'd never heard of th- this level of uh, filters that they had. Blew me away. Look at this, like social media expert CM Punk telling us how to use Twitter. Yeah, uh, we'll t- we'll t- talk about more about uh, Phil on Wednesday. So Cedric's selling the arm, obviously from the attack. Corbin hits him with this big lariat, and then Cedric comes back with a handspring in Siguri. Uh, there was a springboard that didn't have a whole lot of spring from Alexander, and then he gets hung upside down and gets rammed into the post repeatedly. Corbin's on offense, and Alexander's just screaming, oh, God, oh, God. It was a lot. Yeah, that was a bit much. I, I would say I, I would say it for Ricochet as well. Like, there is selling, and then there is just over the top. <laughs> like, I am not backing you to come back in this fight because it is just way too much. Like, dude, there's a point. Ricochet was, like, nearly in tears, like, trying to, like, like he was crying from selling and it's like you're going way too far it is a it, it's not an easy you know thing to do to, to pretend you're hurt so um yeah i'm sure they'll, they'll get plenty of notes cedric comes back there's a handspring into a spine buster for a two count uh he's attacking the bad arm and then cedric does his deal where he Leaps into the ring to go for the swinging face buster, and Baron turns it into the deep six in what was probably the most impressive sequence I have seen from Baron Corbin. It was awesome. Yeah, it was. It great. was really, great. really looked good. There were some fantastic reversals into like all of his signature moves in this match. Yeah, Cedric he was, he was si- like Jay White reversal like level. <laughs> yes. Cedric sidesteps, and then Baron's shoulder goes into the post, and Cedric proceeds to ram his shoulder into the post, ram his shoulder into the post, then take him to the other turnbuckle and ram his shoulder into the post. Listen, I don't get so mad at it. I I, I think your criticism is absolutely fair, but this was a story, though. He had an injured shoulder, and Baron Corbin was, like, you know, using the post to attack him multiple times, and he was dishing it back out at Baron Corbin. He kicks away at Baron's arm. Then hit a Topicon hero to the floor. He goes for a missile drop kick that doesn't quite hit and gets a near fall from it. And then the end of days gets countered into a roll up. Michinoku driver by Cedric for a two count. And then he goes for the springboard, but gets knocked off balance by Baron and hits is hit with end of days as Baron pinned him. Uh, this was a very good Baron Corbin match. And yeah, yeah this was. Uh, I thought this worked really well between these two. I thought this match was excellent. Like, it was, to me, one of Cedric's best matches since being called up onto the main roster. The shoulder injury that they gave him was was a really effective story that they told. And, you know, said Cedric, maybe for, maybe that little moment aside where, where he was just, you know, screaming, oh, God, oh, God. I thought everything else he did to, like, sell that injury was, was done really well. Uh, I, I thought Cedric Alexander was great in this match. I think this guy is consistently... Really, really good on when he's given like time on these shows. I know everyone is going to bell curve Baron Corbin because he had this really he and he did. He had a very good performance, but Cedric Alexander to me was the star of this match. Okay, I don't know if like bell do oh, sure. Okay, I'm not gonna look at this match. The I'm not gonna grade this match the same way I might grade an Okada match. 
Right. But I, I I'm just saying I think everyone deserves like listen, this is a very good match, but I think that everyone is going to look at this as uh B- Baron Corbin being like I I just feel that it's uh he was in there with a great guy in Cedric mm, Alexander. But I, I I don't know about that. I thought Corbin himself was legitimately very good here. Like he was the the lead for much of this. He was the heel that was uh, putting the heat on Cedric and focusing attacks on that shoulder. And he his offense looked good. Like he had a chin lock here, but that chin lock, like I I was perfectly fine with it because it lasted ten seconds and he really deserved it because he worked really hard for the rest of this match. Um, you know, I'm starting to gain a bit of an appreciation for that, like, little misdirection thing he does, like, swinging around the bo- the bottom of the rope, uh, around the corner. Um, great-looking offense, I thought. Really cool reversals. I thought he was really good. And I think his role in this tournament is really necessary because you wouldn't have had a reaction like this for Cedric without a heel like Baron Corbin. And I think you'll continue to see the same thing in, in the Corbin-Ricochet-Joe match that's coming up. Like, he really is the Jay White of this tournament. And all the baby, baby faces are going to be benefiting from his inclusion. So then they recap the Roman Reigns angle again. And the idea for SmackDown is Daniel Bryan still wants an apology. Charlie is with Bailey, And Charlie asks about Sasha Banks and her comment about the tag titles meaning less than nothing. She says that Sasha is her best friend and they spoke, but she's not going to get into the specifics. She took her ball and went home. But that wasn't her choice. I didn't look back. I took advantage of the opportunities and says, why don't you ask me about my match tonight? And Charlie proceeds to ask her about her match tonight. And are you being overshadowed by Becky Lynch? And she says that this title means as much as the Raw version. I beat Nikki Cross last week. Tonight it's Alexa's turn. And we'll see who is in whose shadow after tonight. I Dare I say some foreshadowing. Mm, that's right, yeah. I feel like ba- Bailey, you know, managed to like get those lines up with a decent level of confidence. But at no point did I feel like these were her words and not somebody else's words that were written for her. I just, I don't, I don't feel like this is her voice. And I would say like she, she's probably somebody who still hasn't really found her voice yet thus far in her WWE tenure. Like she just sounded like really kind of generic to me. Well, maybe after tonight, she'll be in a more comfortable role for we'll- sure. Yeah, we'll there. typically yeah. like turning heel kind of like helps a lot of people like get more comfortable and be, be themselves actually. So, yeah. Viking experience versus Tyler Hastings and Brian Thomas. The stars of Raw. Charlie interviews these two in the ring and they say, we drove all the way from Pittsburgh <laughs> and the whole crowd boozed them. This was the Viking experience, the Viking experience. What are their names? Viking the Viking Raiders. Raiders. Yeah. This was their babyface turn. It oh, was yeah. Brian Thomas announcing that they're from Pittsburgh. That was the Viking Raiders turn. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I I don't know what they were really thinking prior. Like no one would know they were heels yeah. other than their slot they're they're on the heel side. Like yeah. that is what they are booked as and like from day one, we have been saying, like, why are these two heels? They've been and... facing baby faces, um, so you would assume that they're heels. But here, it's like they're clearly facing heel jobbers. Then Tyler Hastings takes the mic and says he calls them Baltimoreans. And awesome. then, listen, as we got into this, there there is nothing that I think 
this Raw announced team excels at more than calling these Viking experience squash matches because these three are great at just Corey leading the way and just the other two just peppering in ammunition for Corey to fire off. Yeah. Graves says we now, looking at Brian Thomas, we now know what Elvis looks like when he died on the toilet, and the other guy was an extra on train spotting. <laughs> wow. That's great. Oh. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if this were, well, never mind. Eric lifts Tyler uh, as Ivar clotheslines him coming off the middle rope. They kill Brian Thomas on the floor, and then Hastings gets powerbombed into Thomas and then takes the ultimate experience the ultimate viking experience as this guy got thrown in the air and came down and killed for the win this was awesome the commentary was awesome killing these two are awesome tyler hastings and brian thomas were the best i greatly enjoyed this i think this to me like this this squash match really illustrates that there's there's an art to doing the squash match and you can't simply have like two guys out there get beaten up because these that's what the, the Viking Raiders have been doing for like the past several months. And most of them are incredibly forgettable. But this one, I think, eh, less forgettable. We'll probably still forget about it. But, you know, it might we might remember at least this like giant Viking experience. I hate that fucking name. This yeah. giant Viking experience at the end of the match. And also um, really great cheesy lines from these two jobbers. I think, you know, these squash matches mean a lot more when you give the jobbers some type of identity and you make them like so corny and cheesy that they're so entertaining. Um, so I thought this was like a really fun fan friendly style of squash match. I hope they continue to push them this way. I hope Tyler Hastings and Brian Thomas get a bunch of indie bookings out of this. I mean, this is how we had James Ellsworth, right? Like a guy that looks so ridiculous, but is so entertaining. They gave him a promo too, didn't they? Um, and look at you know how look how entertaining that ended up being. Sarah Schreiber catches up with Sasha Banks backstage and asks if she'll be rooting for her best friend Bailey to win tonight. And Sasha tells her, "Get the hell out of my face." And then under her breath, she just says, "Dumb bitch." Oh, is that a third? Well, this was the second. This was oh, the second one I was referring to. I thought to. you were talking that- about Natalia earlier. Oh, you're right. Yeah, we had Natal- we had Natalia and the double from Sasha. Yeah, wow. Cool. Is a little right. overkill, but nonetheless. Is the word bitch the, the shoulder to the post of, like, swear It words? is. It's totally the shoulder to the post. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we got nasty bitch, dumb bitch, and you're going to be my bitch. What was your favorite bitch? Um, I like nasty. I like the nasty one too because it felt like a legitimate reaction from Natalia that wasn't meant to be picked up. Uh, so there was sure. some genuineness there. Um, but we'll, Sasha's we'll delivery we'll was a, very good here. We'll do an end of year ranking of the best bitches. Oh man, yeah. Best bitch. Yeah. Samoa Joe versus Ricochet in the King of the Ring quarterfinals. Joe cut a promo. He said there's a great affliction in the kingdom. And he they are full of liars because everyone is proclaiming to be king. But the universal truth is that King Samoa Joe sounds just right. If any other person on this roster said those words in that order, I think I would be just shaking my head. But this man is a real credit to this man's delivery that he can say it is a great affliction in the kingdom that is full of liars after everyone proclaimed they would be king. The universal truth is. 
is that King Samoa Joe sounds just right, even though everything I've just said does not. <laughs> yeah, you got that right. Damn. Thanks for uh, uh, capturing all that. Well, on these weeks where I haven't get, uh, gotten Alistair, my, 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 <laughs> can I actually, I need to ask a favor of our audience that I, I feel is pretty in tune with technology, okay? I use Microsoft Word, all right? And over the last two weeks, I've had this problem where as I'm typing, it, have I told this story? No. I thought I had. Maybe it was too. Well, what happened? So I'm typing, and then it'll just freeze as I'm typing, and then the word will spell out. And it's driving me to the brink of insanity. And I don't know what has caused this. I don't know if it is a issue with Microsoft Word, but I cannot fix this. And I don't hmm. know what the issue is. So if anyone out there can lend me some help, typing has become just a pain in the ass. I've got to start using WordPad, which sucks. <laughs> I I look forward to hearing the update. I'm sure there there are many people out there that will offer you some suggestion. Um, how's your mouse? Have you heard it? My I, no, I, no 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 the actual mouse in your house. Not oh your okay because mouse. I was gonna I got scolded by way before the show and my mouse has not made a peep. I have not heard a mouse, but um have no you seen the other mouse the other mouse dude loser leaves town he's gone. He just left. He just up and left. We have wow. not had a we. He has not made. I was telling you, we were getting like like mouse droppings in the house. So I was just going nuts over this thing, and then he just he took off, and for two and a half weeks, nothing. So probably I'm hoping, li- probably listened to the podcast and was like, oh, prob- probably probably hanging out with our neighbors. So yeah. that's fine as long I'm, as he's gone. All right. Well, congrats. So, that's the update. Samoa Joe and Ricochet. Uh, Ricochet said that his career has been about redefining what is possible, and Joe beating him is a reality he is not willing to accept. You know, not much flair, but I thought, like, it sounded like him, so fine. I'm picturing Ric Flair doing this line. Okay, yeah, that makes this sound pretty bad. But how many people can be Ric Flair? Not many. Not many could last. Ricochet goes for the arm. Rope gets pulled down. Joe goes to the floor, takes a dive. Uh, Ricochet tilt a whirl head scissors into a cabrada for a two count, but then lands badly on his knee and takes a urinagi. And Joe sends Ricochet into the barricade with an exploder. And this is the back body drop of doom that sent Ricochet into tears as we went to commercial. Joe is working the neck, fights back with a, uh, Ricochet fights back with a springboard, standing shooting star. And somewhere in this, Joe gets busted open. There's a corkscrew off the top. Ricochet lands on his feet into a power slam. A kick sends Joe to the floor, and then Ricochet hits the space flying tiger drop. Yeah. Yeah, Steve. Sounds okay special. Yeah. Looks like uh, maybe Ricochet was uh, doing some bird watching over the weekend. He he does this before, though. Like, he does it, but he's. Uh, he does it. It's, it's not a staple move for him anymore. Right. Okay. Then the coquina clutch is applied to Ricochet on the top turnbuckle. And Ricochet kicks off of the post to try and break free and lands at the side of Joe. And they both have an arm on one another. And we get a double pin mm-hmm. as John Cone counts three. And then he go- John Cone goes to the floor and he gets on the headset and he does the most realistic conversation with someone backstage that 
I mean, he was getting interrupted. He was like the sound. I was like, they're doing this like they really would here. It was a very good performance from John Cohn. Yes, it was. Um, he says, okay, I will take that under advisement. And then he tells Ricochet, we'll be making a ruling soon. And he just leaves. It's like, what? Are you going to email us the decision? Like, what's going on here? Ricochet just felt like they, they just left this guy looking like, what the hell is going on here? So Joe attacks him from behind. So he looks even more foolish here. But Ricochet did get the last laugh as he hit the recoil on Joe in the ring. More to come on this. I promise. I thought a really good TV match. You know, this King of the Ring, I think, has actually been producing some quality TV matches. It's not G1 level, and please don't go in and even expecting that. But as far as, like, you know, raw TV matches, I think we've seen some good ones. And I would say this was one of them. Um, I like the disputed finish. It tells me that they, they see both men as commodities. You know, um, one of them probably might get pinned next week, but at least this week they, they both move on and they both mean something. So I'm glad it was these two that they decided to choose. And I like the, the finish. It was something new I hadn't seen before. All right. Well, let's just uh, let's just tie all this together. So later, Graves would interview John Cohen and Baron walks in saying both are eliminated and therefore he gets a bye. And John Cohen with the most sassy delivery Too sassy, says, I thought. Way too sassy for your official. Yeah. Says, will WWE management determine that neither were eliminated? Oh, so both advance, you bitch. So we got a triple threat next week between these three. That might be the only John Cohn impression we will ever get from John Pollock. That's one for the real. I, I thought this was really lame, setting up a three-way for next week. This is like yeah. the structure of a tournament is really hard to mess up. And to me, it's like, I don't know. What would you, what would you have done instead? Just someone wins and win? someone loses. Ricochet could, yeah. can win this match and he faces Baron. That's the natural story of Ricochet against the, the guy that everyone's assuming is going to spoil everyone's King of the Ring by winning. I don't think you need Joe in the middle of this. Well, I think Joe's going to be the one to take the pin. Ugh, that's just so lame. It's like I, someone should win, someone should lose. Why are we so afraid to do one or the other? Because they care everybody. too much about, yeah, like wins and losses. So Joe couldn't lose this week, but next week he can. Well, it's more so the fact that if he Joe lost this week, Ricochet advances. Ricochet would have to lose, potentially, if Corbin is going to move on to the final, which I think might be the case. I, I've been thinking Ricochet is going to the final. I'm thinking it's Ricochet and, and Ali at the then end. Then it makes no sense why he couldn't beat Joe. Well, we'll have to see what they do now. I just thought this, like, wrestling fans have seen every tournament scenario occur. And Baron was completely right here. That in a situation like this, either you rest first of all, the official could have just restarted the match. Well, that's not uh, what they said on the headset. I guess so. We didn't hear the other half of that conversation. <laughs> we need to get that call. Personally, I, I, again, I don't really mind it. I think it, it, it shows that both men, like, first of all, it was a good match. And secondly, like, it shows that both of these guys are really difficult to beat, so much so that neither, neither of them really won technically um, or technically lost. And I don't know. I think I'm kind of looking forward to the three-way. All I'm going to say is that every every year on ask away, we probably get minimum five questions a year of could the WWE ever do the G one. 
and I'm just going to refer people to this when I say absolutely not. Uh, Rollins and Braun are backstage, and Braun brings up Austin coming next week and says, I remember what he said during your Skype conversation. He's your boy. And Rollins says, I understand your paranoia. I know what it's like to turn on my brothers. I also know what it's like to be stabbed in the back by my best friend. Ooh. Yeah. Double meaning, I guess. Dean Ambrose reference. But, you know, you can take that line to be more literal than it needs to be, but totally. Literally stabbed by a best mm, friend. Um, they never stabbed each other. They never got to that extent in their feud. But uh, we don't know oh, who t- his it, it, real life best friend is. You know what? Braun should have just put on a gas mask to walk out of the scene here on this segment. Why? As a callback to his best friend with the gas mask. So you're saying Braun? Wait, Braun wasn't stabbed. What no, do you mean? No, no. We we've gone off the, the rails here. Okay, uh, we're just on different pages. Braun says Austin will get these hands if he gets in his way. So Austin is our moderator for the contract signing next week. Steve Austin is coming back to Madison Square Garden to oversee two signatures. I mean, it's something, you know, it it really is just a a veiled, you know, way to promote that he'll be appearing next week. Firefly Funhouse. This is actually a really good segment, I thought. We have, so we know what The Fiend is. Is this alter ego named Bray Wyatt? Do we have a name for his alter ego? Because this is not The Fiend. Yeah, I think it's just Bray Wyatt. So as Bray Wyatt. Yeah. He says that what The Fiend did to Finn Balor was super duper rude, and he apologizes. And then the Vince puppet returns and asks... How dare you challenge the winner of Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman to a match at Hell in a Cell? And he's about to be fired when all of a sudden Bray pulls out money. And as Vince sees dollar signs, gets fed money by Bray. He says, look what I've been making. And he pulls up the dollar bills, which shuts Vince up. He feeds him the money, and that pacifies Vince McMahon. That's awesome. I mean, basically saying since... I draw Vince so I can do whatever I want. Um, I, I thought this Which was... Which is a- kind of how the world works. This oh, is, yeah. This was the, the Conor McGregor moment. For sure, yeah. Uh, I thought it was also interesting that they like brought up Bray challenging Braun and Seth at Hell in a Cell, which is not something they've mentioned on TV, to my knowledge. No. Uh, really something that, like, first of all, kind of leaked out, and secondly, like, I guess they had um, confirmed. So, um, and Bray himself, it, like, kind of retweeted, so... You know, this was definitely more like aiming towards your hardcore audience who's paying attention to everything. Well, I think it's smart to do because, first of all, that pay-per-view is happening October the 6th. So they've got a three-week turnaround after Clash of Champions. And I kind of like the idea that Mm -hmm. by the end of Clash of Champions, you know the direction you're going in for that next show, which is a quick turnaround. Second, I think that pay-per-view is going to be completely lost to the SmackDown debut on Fox. And this is going to be a complete afterthought. Sure. Right. Because they'll be debuting two days before that pay-per-view. And I can't imagine... Well, we'll see what they do. They've got a three-week build. And to me, it's way more important that they're building to the SmackDown launch and not Hell in a Cell. Right. Yeah. Uh, Bray adds that Braun and Seth are selfish and... They were selfish and greedy in another life. And they took something very dear to him. 
as the music gets dark. Which was what? What did they? What did these two specifically take from Bray Wyatt? Well, uh, Braun was part of the Wyatt family. And, Didn't take anything from him. Um, gave gave him something. Well, uh, the draft separated them, didn't they? Didn't well, what, what did Braun take, though? And what did Seth take? A contract with Raw. I don't know. Mm. So, I'm trying to remember what happened with... See, the the feud was more Bray and uh, Dean. They had, Remember the hologram Hell in a Cell that they had? Yes. All, the, all that shit? Yes. That's what I think of with those two. Okay. Well, uh, he And then he's got the, the animals around him that he says is his team that helps him cope with pain, but the fiend helps him inflict it. See you in hell. And then he smiles and waves goodbye. I thought this was a really good segment and sets up your main event for October 6th. Really great. I really liked it. I mean, now that we've seen the entire gimmick laid out, including the fiend wrestling, I think these Firefly Funhouse segments are going to feel a lot more focused. You know, whereas I think previous segments had a lot more ambiguity attached. We didn't know who he was feuding with. We didn't know what exactly the character is. Now that we know what it is and who he's about to wrestle, I think every moment of this particular segment had some pretty clear meaning. And it was thoroughly entertaining. Then uh, Charlie is with Rey Mysterio. This kind of, uh, this was our... Ray Mysterio returns to Raw segment. He was backstage with Charlie. He said that Dominic spoke from the heart and told him how much it meant to grow up in the WWE family. And he can't thank Dominic enough for making him pursue his passion. And he said, Charlie, it's our job to push our children to pursue their goals. And here, my child is pushing me. Wow. He said, I'm not done. I've got more to accomplish. And I'm doing that for my son, Dominic. Bitch. <laughs> yeah, it was weird when he threw Dude, the bitch in there. I didn't, was, I didn't was, get that. But. It didn't really fit the tone at all. But I mean, a real <laughs> heartfelt segment here. I mean, Rey Mysterio is doing great in this. Like, only Rey could be pulling this off to this degree. So uh, I certainly wouldn't have said that before. Like, I would have expected Rey Mysterio to be one of the last people to be able to talk like this. When did Rey Mysterio learn to speak with this much conviction? Like, seriously, like, did he shoot? When he's trying to get his son's first angle over. That's when. I guess. Either that or he, like, is he shooting stem cells into his vocal cords or something? Oh, my God. We know he's using them for his knee, but, like, God, like, he must have shot him into some other parts because he talks incredibly now. He is two for two with these great promos in this storyline so far. He shoots stem cells into his vocal cords. That's going to be the quote. Um, yeah, this is a really good segment. And God, I feel like we're going towards Dominic turning on dad. I mean, that's so, it's so obvious that I, I, I'd be more impressed that they, you know, did the MJF thing and like really kind of delayed I was, it. And in I was fact, just going to compare, like, we're going to compare these two programs, Ray and Dominic to Cody and MJF and see which side does the more successful turn. But I'm almost hoping that they don't do the turn because it is so obvious and that they right. the twist comes in some other fashion. Like what I, th- Ray, I think he's unmasking no, dad. I think That's Ray will, prediction. I think Ray will turn on Dominic. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, is all a ruse. You're not my son. You were you're Eddie's, Eddie's kid. Yeah, you're Eddie's kid. <laughs> the past 20 years have been all leading up to this. Then we had the Miz versus Cesaro. 
I could not help during this match, but imagine if if you're not watching Raw every week and say you tuned into NXT UK and you watch Cesaro and Ilya Dragunov, and then this match, you're just watching this, you don't know what's going on with these two characters, and you're saying, yeah, one's getting pushed, the other's just the setup guy, um, but the push guy's getting ready for Nakamura at the next pay-per-view. Oh, yeah. I mean, th- this is just like the Twilight Zone, if I you know. just look at this. And even if you are looking at it from like the the Vince McMahon like track record, which guy is he pushing? Oh yeah, completely. It would be Cesaro. Like it makes no sense when you just look at it. And you yeah. watch these two, I mean, yeah. man, I understand like the Miz has had his moments. He's certainly improved to be an a, an adequate wrestler. But man, is there like a golf here between these huge, two? Huge, huge. It was so evident to anybody watching this match. Um, like Cesaro is just criminally because they, they did a striking match where you're, you've got to compare these two strikes and like what a way to just put a spotlight on the Miz in the worst way. No, really, it's true. Like I think Cesaro really kind of like outshines most people that he wrestles, but especially against the Miz, which you know is unfortunate for both of them because I think for the Miz he doesn't look good really coming out of this, and for Cesaro it's just like. It it just shows you that every week he is proving that he's more than qualified. Uh, he's overqualified to be just a utility guy. <laughs> Did you see the uh, the photo of uh, Cesaro like hugging Ilya and like saying something into his ear? I did. Yeah. And WH goes, "Whatever you do, don't go to the main roster." <laughs> And here was uh, Cesaro coming back to earth here on Raw. Um, Miz hit him with his kicks in the corner. I mean, this was Cesaro coming out of the gate with his running uppercut and got a two count within seconds. And then another running uppercut on the floor. Did his deadlift super cl- superplex. We got all the greatest hits of Cesaro here. Pressed him in the air with an uppercut. Cesaro's swing gets stopped. Miz just kicks him to the apron and then caught him with the skull-crushing finale. 5-0-7. It was really quick, but, you know, this was also the match that was in the death spot on this show right before the main event at about, like, 1040. No heat for it whatsoever. Um, Not that, you know, either character has received that much kind of, well, no. Like, it's it's not a hot program, honestly, Miz versus Nakamura. And Cesaro, like, besides a brief mention of him at NXT UK, like, it was almost as if that show never occurred. So, I don't know why they didn't at least, like, show a quick recap of what, like, everybody missed, because... I think, like, these guys are, like, busting their ass on, on NXT UK, and, like, you get zero recognition from it, from it on Raw. Like, we we talk about, like, you know, like, all the podcasts that air on post-wrestling, because we want people to know what they might have missed if they didn't check it out. Uh, but it just feels like they, they don't really treat it with any type of reference at all. It was, um, God, who's who was it over the weekend? I don't know if it was CM Punk or if it was, no, it was... I can't remember who it was, but it it doesn't even matter. They were talking about the fact that, you know, uh, it was Cody. It was Cody. And he was stating that there was a time when if you went out and you did a house show loop and the agent reports came back and they gave you a glowing review, it was going to come back to you and you were going to get a shot like on Raw, on SmackDown. It's like it would get noticed and you you would really benefit from that. And I can't say that like that that really is, is something that. You just like imagine watching Saturday show and then you watch 
Monday's Raw. It's like Cesaro is playing two completely different people, and one has absolutely no bearing on the other. Yeah. I mean, so I, you could you could put the Miz over anyone on this show. Well, um, if you're watching, I think if you're one of the few people that did watch like the NXT UK show and saw Cesaro, what you would take coming out of this is that oh, Cesaro went down to the minor leagues and he beat the shit out of a guy in the minor leagues. Well, didn't beat the shit, but like he he beat up a guy or, or defeated a guy from the minor leagues and then went back to the main roster where he's just another guy losing to the Miz. And all I'm saying is that you look at this and it's like, yes, is Cesaro going to be in a world title program tomorrow? Absolutely not. But we just decided, like, this should be the guy to go to NXT UK. He killed it with Ilya on Saturday. Let's not put him in this role tonight. Let's let's just think about it for a minute. Like, he, maybe he's got a little bit of buzz coming out of Saturday. Maybe just a tiny bit that, you know what? This could be Zack Ryder's spot on the show instead of the tag. Or God knows who else that we've got uh, backstage that could just fulfill this role that's uh, a mid-level heel that can lose to The Miz in five minutes to get him ready for Nakamura. Yeah, I mean, it makes me wonder if you know there are any further kind of uh, intentions of using him in NXT UK or if it was just a one-shot. Becky Lynch and Bailey versus uh, Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss. Uh, Sasha came out to set up the commercial and was just watching. Uh, they had Bailey in the corner for a long time. Alexa's slapping her. They're keeping her away from Becky. Bailey is fighting them off, sends them to the floor, crawls, gets cut off again. And then Alexa even kicked Becky's hand away as she's trying to make the tag. Becky finally gets the tag. And as she's in, she's running wild on Cross and Bliss. Sasha runs in with a backstabber. The DQ is called. And Becky is thrown into the post with her shoulder. Ouch. Did she say bitch, too? No, no, but she amazingly didn't see this coming. Sasha gets a chair and starts using it on Becky, and then Bailey comes in and takes the chair away, and they stare at each other, and then Bailey smiles and goes to town attacking Becky, and the place goes nuts. They're all cheering. They're chanting yes, and we just go off the air as the chair shots are continuing to be delivered. Um yeah, this is how it ended, and this appeared to be the the full Bailey turn and aligning her with Sasha. So either uh, she agrees the tag titles were worthless, or uh, it was mind games. Mind games. Mind games, perhaps. You know, this match was really nothing special. Um, didn't feel like they excited the crowd with any of the, the hot tags that they were building up towards. Really not all that special, and I don't think it'll be forgotten. But the turn, I thought, was... Pretty well done. You know, it was uh, unexpected. It got over if you, um, like, you got a big reaction. And yeah. I think it's it's something like Bailey, this is not the Bailey of four years ago. So I think certainly at this point, she's probably better served being attached to Sasha. And they can be this, this heel unit together. I think they may work off each other really well. Uh, it's going to ask a lot of Bailey to make... You know, she's kind of just been playing like a more edgier version. Now she's got to go much further with that. And mm-hmm. yeah, she probably needs it, to be honest. She really like, needs it. Because I think, you know, like the fact that she, well, what makes it interesting is that she's about to face Charlotte. How's that going to work out? If Bailey's Well, that face? was the other thing is that was this the best timing for this uh, with right. the Charlotte feud coming up? And on top of that, Sasha, Bailey, Charlotte, Alexa. Nikki, like Lacey Evans, like you have all these heels and your baby faces are Becky Lynch and Ember Moon. 
and Natalia. Natalia, yeah. No, it's, it's a it's a good point. Um, and I I think we await to see on SmackDown maybe what they'll do with with Bailey. Perhaps the timing is a bit odd, but I mean, you know, just looking at like the lack of buzz surrounding Bailey with this championship, I feel like she was definitely in need of some type of makeover. I look forward to seeing what she could do as a heel. It's something we haven't seen before. Um, but you're right. Like maybe there's certainly some concerns about their timing. I wish they did get through the Charlotte program because I do not want to see Charlotte turn for the sake of this. And yeah. I also, I don't want Bailey to come out on SmackDown and she's playing like this half baby face, half heel role where right. it's kind of, um, it's almost like we did the turn, but now we're stepping away from it to make it more digestible. Um, sure. But you know, like this is how they make their baby faces though. <laughs> by having them like use chair shots or kendo sticks and beating the shit out of their no, this baby got a face. baby face reaction baltimore sure. reacted like this was a baby face like you do a turn like this it's going to get that reaction now all the horse women have turned baby face this way like <laughs> in the past year well i guess yeah even sasha i would i would kind of categorize anyway i i lo- i thought this was a good raw like i thought it had some good matches and had some news coming out of this main event um, I liked it. I thought it was a pretty good show. Um, I thought that it's, um, you know, you had several notable angles on this. Um, they seem to have pretty solid idea for clash of champions, uh, setting up Austin stuff for next week, which hopefully adds like, what are you sensing for next week? Like, do you think they get a bit of a, a bump with Austin on the show or is it? Yeah, I think too so. soon. Well, um, did he make how much of a difference did he make for the last one? Well, the Raw reunion, it was a that was their their most watched show of the year. And I do credit Austin with a lot of that. Yeah. He was like the number one push guy on that show, but I, I'm not expecting anything like that next week. Yeah, I don't either. But I think he will make a difference. Um do you expect like this main event to, to you know look the same after next week? Braun and I, uh, Seth. I think they'll keep it. I think they they're going with this idea of like the the tag title match, and then. But why? But why do this segment today? Why delay this contract signing by a week? Just to, to get, get Austin, Austin in there. That's I think it. that's the idea they had with with Austin. Just like he's coming in as a moderator, we'll tease it this week and give a reason to need Austin to be the moderator next week. Okay. Yeah, I mean that that is a little bit lame, but uh, we shall see. Uh, what's your interest level going into Class of Champions right now? Um. I mean, it's shaping up to be a decent card, I would say. Um, yeah. What do we got here? We should, we should, uh, let's take a quick look at the card. Uh, so on top, we have Seth and Braun, uh, coupled with Seth and Braun against Rude and Ziggler earlier in the night for the Raw tag titles. Then we have Kofi Kingston, Randy Orton. I'm, I'm not holding my breath for that one. Uh, Drew Gulak versus Umberto Carrillo for the Cruiserweight title. I'll probably be on the kickoff. New Day against the Revival for the SmackDown tag titles. That could be very good. Shinsuke Nakamura on The Miz. Uh, that I'm really not feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, Becky Lynch versus Sasha for the Raw tag uh, for the Raw Women's title. Uh, that's been built up very well. And yep. Bailey Charlotte for the SmackDown title. I think that'll be a very good match. But they certainly complicated things tonight. Yeah, I'm interested to see how they follow up there. But um, I, I and, think- the, and the King of the Ring finals, by the way. Oh, that's happening on on the pay per view, right? Yeah, the, the finals. Okay, excellent. Okay, well, I mean, yeah, it looks like a pretty decent show. Some of the the top end isn't really inspiring me right now, but I think, you know, Orton, Kofi, if they continue to, like, have really good build, maybe my mind will change. 
I, I just have a feeling they'll continue the program, that's all. Anyway, we're not here to, to preview it. Um, we're here to get to some feedback. All right, tonight's show, on a scale of 1 to 10, did this one top 6 way? I'm going to say yes. A 6.62. All right. A fair, fair outing for Raw. Paul from New Jersey writes, AJ made some funny observations. Lacey stinks. Bailey cut a good promo. Jobbers getting mic time was entertaining. The Baltimore crowd had some funny moments, like a Waterboy-inspired Corbin Sucks chant, as well as the signs, Sir Mo is my hero, and you're all jealous of Bertha Faye. The King of the Ring three-way was kind of stupid. Draws or losses, bro. This week's Firefly Funhouse is my favorite thus far. Seven. I really wouldn't have had an issue if they just gave Corbin a bye. But maybe, I don't know, maybe maybe Ricochet's... Yeah, anyway. It, if, it, it's a little if, complicated. If Baron is going to the finals and you wanted to protect these guys, um, you could have just done the bye. True. Yeah, okay, maybe he won't then. We go to uh, Sam from Melbourne who says, was home from work today and got a rare chance to watch the show live in Australia. It had me wishing I had recorded it so I could fast forward through bits like I usually do. Honestly, I found it a very, very boring. AJ's promo was great. Bailey actually doing something remotely interesting were the only real highlights for me. I thought draws were traditionally counted as losses in King of the Ring. No, now you advance. So time limit draws, that, that's what you should go for. You should just say, hey, you know what? I could beat you. You could beat me. There's a good chance of that. Let's do a three-way in the next round. That's That happened that year with, um, didn't uh, uh, Calgary and Tampa Bay, they uh, they tied in game seven. And instead of shootout, both teams went to the second <laughs> round. And it was really weird because... Um, Those three-way games. Set, yeah. yeah it it was games a, with the three nets inside them. Yeah, that was really strange. Um, I think they're from opposite conferences too. So I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. Jay from Colorado. I think tonight made it even more evident that Baron Corbin is going to win the tournament. I'm honestly at the point where I don't hate the idea anymore. He's got so much nuclear level heat. I kind of want to see where it goes. That ending though, that's all I ever wanted for Bailey's character. Maybe next week she comes out to an obnoxious dubstep death metal version of her theme. And instead of Bailey buddies, we get giant inflatable middle fingers. That would be spectacular. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but this will be her first heel run in the company. Yes, it will be. We got a Sean from Toronto who says, it kind of says a lot about this episode of Raw when the thing I remember most is the jobber tag team that faced the Viking Raiders. Sadly, it seems that they're going to rush the Fiend into the title picture. Then again, who makes sense for Hell in a Cell? Do you think that they're rushing the Fiend too quickly? Um, It's it's definitely yeah, like you're taking this, this new attraction that's just been introduced and now you're putting him into... I, I think definitely a much higher position that's going, you're going to have to be careful in how you kind of promote this. Cause it's a very, I'm, I'm curious to see how they're doing it. And I'm open-minded because they've done a really good job with this character so far. I think it kind of telegraphs the finish. I don't really see him facing Braun. So Fiend versus Rollins, I think is a good match um, to put in the hell in a cell. Yeah, it makes it really good. Can you see the Fiend coming out of it with the championship? I, I, I could see them doing anything um, that they feel like. I, I would say this. If people took the hell in a cell more seriously like they had years back, um, I could and, and the Fiend had been built up for more months to where he'd had this unbeaten streak, and now you're in a cell where it's title versus the Fiend. I think that that could really have had a much stronger dynamic, but I think it's 
the guys had one match as this yeah. new character, and I don't think you've had the time to build that up. Like that year they did Punk and Ryback, it was like, wow, this is title versus this guy who's never lost, and or at least in that incarnation uh, during that run. And people were like, man, how is how are they going to book this finish? And it did a really good number on pay-per-view, and they did this bullshit finish with Brad Maddox, and it was like, okay, they have an out now for Hell in a Cell matches. So um, I th- – Man, I, I fear totally it's... forget any of that stuff. Well, wow. it's not that memorable, I guess. <laughs> but it was it did a big number because people were interested in like either we're gonna see a title match or we're gonna see Ryback lose. And it was people cared. Um I just don't think you have the time here to to build that up. And I think I fear that it will be some ridiculous finish to protect the fiend yeah. and not necessarily put the title on him either. Right. Uh, he, Sean goes on to say, The Bailey heel turn was long overdue, but pulling it off mere seconds before the show went off the air is not the route to go. It also makes her seem like Sasha Banks' lackey, despite being the SmackDown champion. I guess they now have to make Charlotte face, or else their match at Class of Champions won't have anyone to root for. And the final one, Brandon from Oshawa. How do you get a triple threat match in the semifinals of a one-on-one tournament? Only in WWE logic can that possibly happen. Austin is going to be on Raw, Undertaker on SmackDown. Does The Fiend lay one of them out? Should he lay one of them out, or should it be someone else? Um, I don't know if you need to see The Fiend next week. I don't, because he's not going to be on the pay-per-view. It's kind of a, for those go-home shows, it's kind of um, an awkward ending. And I think that if, I think in either of those cases, um, you're going to... If you didn't angle like that with Austin, I think there would be so much buzz to like do something with Austin that you're ultimately not going to pay off on. Yeah. And I think with Undertaker, I don't think there'd be a lot of buzz. It would be a okay. Undertaker's Undertaker isn't getting laid out for no reason. It's something you don't want to give away. Like especially yeah. that particular encounter, the Fiend and the Undertaker too, like It, you know it would mean the Fiend is going to Saudi Arabia with the Undertaker. That would be everyone's conclusion. Yeah. Which is not that far away. They do this Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, and then the end of the month, it's um, Crown Jewel. It could happen. That it match. could happen. It could happen. Yeah. That's not... Um, I don't dismiss that at all, because I would figure The Undertaker is going to be on that show. All right. That's everyone's feedback. Thanks. There was a lot to talk about on tonight's Raw, and a lot coming out of this weekend. A lot of news. Always fun to discuss with you, Way. And we'll do it all again tomorrow night after SmackDown in, uh, in Norfolk, Virginia. Excuse me, John? I said Norfolk. All right, then. As long as you didn't say bitch. No, not at all. That's it for us. Thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, anything else, Way? Anything we're, we're not mentioning? Oh, yes. Thank you very much. I almost forgot. John and I were guests this week on our good friend Scrump's brand new podcast. Of course, this is Scrump from Pro Wrestling Tees, and he has launched a brand new co- podcast called The PWT Cast, and we are on episode five. You can find it on Apple Spotify, Google Play, just search PWTCast. And on this show, John and I, uh, we conducted it over SummerSlam weekend. Uh, but we basically have a big conversation about maybe our history uh, with post-wrestling, forming this thing. Uh, you know, our history with pro, pro wrestling merch in our lives. And uh, a lot of talk of the MCU. So if you want to hear a bit more from us, uh, do check them out. Yeah, and uh, just just a final note, uh, I... I encourage everyone to try and check out some of our shows from over the weekend. We did quite a lot of them. Uh, I was super happy with just how much 
different coverage we had of all the major shows, uh, Martin, Jamesy, and Benno. Uh, we had Eric covering the UFC card from China and and all the other stuff that was uh, going down as well. Steve um, Harris sending a, a report from Rub Pro. Yes, from the uh, Live at the Cockpit show on Sunday as Will well. Will Cooling so, uh, giving a report on the British wrestling experience. Yes, so – I thought uh, I thought we were on we were on top of everything, and it was through uh, the help of many people. So, uh, postwrestling.com is where you can check out some of those shows from the weekend, and we'll speak with you Tuesday night.